You're listening to Unfiltered, the podcast. On Unfiltered, we bring you conversations of empowerment with entrepreneurs from all walks of life. We take off the filters and take you behind the scenes, uncovering the lessons, stories, and nitty-gritty of our guests' journeys across different sectors and niches. I'm your host, Aisha Addo. Welcome to Life Unfiltered. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Unfiltered, the podcast. Today, we chat with Victory Omatayo, and we talk all about coaching. So Victory is a business coach and lunch expert, helping new coaches leverage their genius to create market and launch a four-figure coaching program on social. She is extremely passionate about empowering women and uplifting their voices, and is soft after for her expertise in women empowerment, personal development, owning your authentic story and has been featured in the press and podcast where she speaks to the importance of female business ownership. A master's of business entrepreneurship and technology graduate from the University of Waterloo, Victory is a multi-passionate serial entrepreneur who ran her previous e-commerce business solo for a year before she exited and sold it in 2018. She sits on the advisory board of Cornell University's entrepreneurial program called W.E. Cornell and is an impact investor at a Bay Area nonprofit foundation. We had such an amazing conversation and I cannot wait for you all to get into it. Buckle up because you know you're in for a treat. This is Unfiltered. so excited to have you here today because you know it's actually even like unconventional the way that we met and the way we came to you know be in each other's lives so for those that do not know you who is victory okay well hello listeners so yes i'm victory and i am a business coach so my entire goal is to help my clients monetize their knowledge so really helping them leverage that zone of genius to create market and launch a signature coaching program so i do this with my week coaching program called knowledge to profit where essentially i have a few group of women where we go through the program content together with coaching and really just showing them the fast lane to becoming an entrepreneur and you know this is very very close to me because you know my first business failed and navigating the business world was not easy for me so i really wanted to come with the strategies with the tools to really ensure that women who do want to become an entrepreneur are able to find success the first time around Mm, wow i love that women that want to become entrepreneurs finding, you know, being successful the first time around. So I want us to like really go in depth with uh, your first experience with entrepreneurship was, you know, in a way attached to failure. I want us to talk about failure a little bit, but before we actually do that, tell us what your entrepreneurial story is. Like, what was the moment that you were like, I'm going to start my own business and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like it's so cliche to say I was born like this because, but I truly feel that way. I feel like I've never really liked any job that I've worked at. I've just kind of done it because, you know, paycheck, we all need money. But I would say for me, like in terms of like, this is what I want to do. I would say when I graduated from university. So my, me going to university was very interesting because I wanted to be an actress. I didn't want to go into university, but my parents, you know, being Nigerian were like, you don't have a choice. So I took sociology as a degree. And I think when I graduated, I had a mindset that, oh, when I graduate from school, I would definitely have a job to pay me at least $60,000. I would live my best life. This would be amazing. When I graduated, you know, I got a job that paid me $11 an hour. And then my next job was, 
was 12 and then 14. And in that entire process, I was just like, I went through a depression stage. Like, I'm not even going to lie. And I don't tell people a lot about this, but if you met me that time, I was the most negative person ever because I just hated everything about what was going on in my life. And I think I had to really sit down and think to myself, like, victory, like, who are you? Who do you want to be? And I really thought back to times where I was most happy and times where I was most happy was when I was charging people for things. Like time when I made my first money was when I was in the UK. So I, I took secondary school in the UK and I would charge my friends to do their hair. The money exchanged hands, but really it was the passion as well of me actually loving what I was doing. And just thinking back through of like, okay, like when have I ever been the most happiest? And it's been when I've been doing something, but I've been solving a problem to help someone. And so I had to really think through that. And when I realized that maybe entrepreneurship is something that I, I should go into, I decided to go back to school. I got my master's degree in entrepreneurship and the rest is history. Really, that's where it really started for me was really going back and educating myself and then going for it. Yeah. Wow, that's so impressive. So, you know, you shared something that most times a lot of folks don't follow that trajectory in terms of like, you know, recognizing that I really love it when money exchanges hands or like when I charge people for stuff. Like, you know what I mean? That's a really self-aware trait to have. But then one of the things that you talked about was that you actually decided as a result of like recognizing and doing that search for yourself and saying, okay, I am most happy when I'm doing the things that I care about and I'm doing the things that I love. I'm actually going to study this and get my master's in that. So what was that like decision period for you like, right? Because it's not everyone that gets that opportunity or it's not even everyone that thinks about it from that point of view. So I can also sense and hear that like there is a passion for education that you also love so much that will cost you to say, okay, I'm actually going to go get my master's in entrepreneurship and dig deeper into this new passion that I found or this new focus or arena that I found myself in. Yeah, I started my first business in 2013 and that was a business that failed and kind of did it to like, because I was like, I feel like I know everything I need to know because Google told me that I did. And essentially just like that process of understanding that, you know, there is a difference between, you know, like experience and like what Google can actually teach you. And the thing about Google and the thing I hate about Google is how contradictory every single thing is on there. And so I think it started from me trying to do it on my own and realizing that, you know, there's probably a lot of things that I could spend the next God knows how many years trying to figure out or I can just take the fast lane which is like for me when people talk about pricing their program I'm like there's someone out there who is just like me who doesn't have time for trial and error there's someone out there who is just like me who's like look I need you to just show me how to do this the right way versus me trying to figure things out on my own and so I think that was that pivot point for me to say you can either just continue running businesses and not having them go anywhere or you can go back to school and really learn like what does it actually mean to be an entrepreneur is it just money exchange in hand or the things that you need to learn about how to run a business or the things that you need to learn about just your thinking and the mindset shift. And I think for me, my master's degree, it wasn't really just, oh, I learned how to be a business owner. It was a mindset shift that I could be a business owner. It was a mindset shift. It was meeting people who were similar to me. It was being around other like-minded individuals where I felt like I began to thrive and really believe and confidently believe that I could do this. And after that, I did. I had another business. It was successful. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not so bad. I guess this is something that I could potentially do. So it has just been such a journey for me. My master's degree was definitely where I would say was that pivot moment where I found myself. And it's something that I've carried with me even right now into this business that I'm running. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. So I want us to talk about, you know, the failure story, because you've mentioned that about two, three times already. That was a shifting moment for you in your entire journey as an entrepreneur, right? And as a business owner. So tell us about this failure story. And what were some of the key things that you took away from that, that today is helping you in shifting, basically building your empire, so to speak? Because one of the things that I've learned about failure is that failure is only if you don't learn anything. You get what I'm saying? Like you can only say something is a failure when you did not take all the lessons that 
that it brought to build on more because success is just like this one period in time, right? And you get to that point where you're just like, okay, so what happens next? But then with failure or what we call failure, there's always that like, nah, I'm not going to sit in this. There is more work to be done. There's so much lessons that I've learned from this and this is going to help me in the next thing that I'm going to do. So tell us a little bit about this failure story and how it contributed to who you are today, really. Oh man, my failure story, I would say really was just because I was very obnoxious and just felt like I knew everything I needed to know. For me, you know, when I launched my first business, I kind of launched it from just like a me, me, me perspective. So for those of you who are listening, the business is called House of Six and it was a fashion brand. And the reason why I launched it is because I hated paying duties and taxes for everything I ordered from the U.S. I felt like Canada lacked like an actual like signature fashion brand, right? I mean, we have like the regular ones in the mall, you know, but I was like, Canada needs the House of CVs of the world, the misguided of the world. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to do this. This is me. I'm going to do this. And it just really stemmed from me feeling like there was a problem. But the funny thing is, I didn't even confirm that that problem was a thing. Went off of the hypotheses and launched a business of the world. I spent so much time working on my website. I paid for all the software tools in the entire world. I figured out email marketing stuff. I found a supplier. I put money down into the business. I did all of these things, colors, all the nice front end things. And one thing I did not do was speak to a single customer. I did not validate whether people actually cared about this. I didn't talk to people. And I feel like that is what shifted like my mindset after I failed. Because initially when I failed, I also was just like, oh my God, like people are just so cheap in Canada and they wouldn't want to buy my products. Like, oh God, Canadians are the worst. I literally was complaining about everything else without really saying, okay, but Victory, who was your actual ideal client? Did you know what they were looking for? Did anyone tell you this was a problem? I did so many things that didn't matter that after I filled my business, I had to reflect and say, no, it wasn't because people didn't want to pay $70 for shoes. I mean, I pay more than that in shoes sometimes. Like it's not the price. It's not the product. It was you and you didn't talk to the person. You don't understand the actual problem you're trying to solve. You didn't do customer research. I had no idea what I was doing in terms of just talking to people and really validating the idea. And I feel like that's something I took into my second business. In my second business, I didn't pay for a single thing until I had my first client. I was like, what I'm not going to do today is do the same mistakes. I didn't invest in my supplier. Literally, when I launched my hair business, every single person who bought from me didn't know I didn't have the hair with me at all. I had to order it after they paid me. So really just like taking those learnings and saying, okay, like the part that's so unsexy about being a business owner is the customer research part. No one likes talking to customers. It's like, eh, I don't want to do this. It's so boring. I just want to get paid. But by doing the uncomfortable, that's how you really set yourself up to, for success. And in my program right now, I've taken those learnings and my signature process is what it is today because I am able to help my clients pre-sell their offer without actually creating the content. And that's how my clients are able to get those results because when they come to me, they spend months creating their program. They spend months worrying about websites. They spend months worrying about the email marketing. They spend months worrying about all of these things that don't matter. And not once do they even know who their customer is. How do I track them? How do I speak their language? And how do I even know who they are? But now in my program, I took all of those learnings from my first failure, all those learnings from my second business that was successful. And now I'm able to help my clients literally avoid those same mistakes. That's quite impressive. And I love the fact that you talk about that customer research because that is so key and so vital. So if someone is listening and they're wondering what customer research is, it's basically talking to the people that you are trying to sell to, point black. <laughs> but you know, there's something that you mentioned that I think is also really important to highlight and which is, and I actually want to know from you if you think that should be a determining factor when someone is trying to start a business is how important is knowing that industry? Because you mentioned that you did not know anything about fashion. You saw a problem. And again, your first business was based off of personal need, right? A lot of times people start businesses based off of a personal need and then they realize that, okay, there are a lot of people that 
that have the same pain point. But then I wanted to touch mainly on the aspect where you said you did not know anything about fashion. You did not know anything about the fashion industry aside from the fact that you are a consumer of fashion and you love fashion personally, right? How important do you think it is for someone that is starting a business or being in a specific industry? Do you think it's vital for them to know about that industry? Or does that knowledge or information of knowing that industry come from having that conversation with their customers? Yeah, so I think there's like three parts to it. The first part is a problem. Like, is there an actual problem that people need solved? The second one is how can I relate to that problem? So do I have personal experiences? And then the third one is how can I get someone to pay me for it? And I feel like a lot of times business owners, they're either stuck in that zone. I have a personal experience because I know you're asking me a question about like, do they need to actually be knowledgeable? The answer is yes. But what we find sometimes is business owners say, okay, I have a personal experience. And so I want to just like solve this based on my personal experience without actually understanding that other people have the same problem, right? And then not understanding like, who's actually going to pay me for this? So I would say if you want to start a business and you want to keep going, like one of the reasons why I'm still running this business right now, even the times where it's been so hard and I'm like, I want to quit is because I have that knowledge. I'm knowledgeable about it. It's my passion. And I feel like if you want to start a business and be a business owner, I would say go with something that you are knowledgeable about. Go with something that you have a personal experience in, but also don't forget that you need to actually branch out of your family and friends and your mom and your cats and your dog. Yo, everyone's cousin, everyone's uncle and auntie, like they would tell you 100% like, yes, go for it. And they obviously doing it because they want to support you. But one thing you want to realize is those are not your ideal clients. You need to go out and branch out. What is the bigger problem here? Go on Google, talk to people, do focus groups, whatever it is you have to do, go where they hang out and understand that problem and then validate it. Can I get someone to pay me for this? If someone can't pay you for it, it most likely is happens to be with a problem. Maybe the problem you think they have is not what they have, or maybe you're talking to the wrong person, right? But you have to figure out first by actually speaking and validating it in order for you to say, yes, this is a viable business. So yes, you have to have the experience. It has to be an actual big problem. And I always say it's a stay up at night problem. So it has to be a stay up at night problem in terms of like your ideal client literally stays up at night thinking about this and you need to validate by getting them to pay you for that solution. Wow, you are just dropping the gems. You see, this is part of the reason why I love having a conversation with you because I remember when we were coming back from Israel and I was telling you, yo, Victory, like I'm working on this project. She's like, okay, this is what you need to do. And she's like, this is a free consultation, you know? And I'm like, that's this. You're absolutely right. This is free consultation. So I hope that folks have actually grabbed their notebooks and are writing down all of these things because you have mentioned some important aspects of entrepreneurship or even just starting a business in general that I feel like a lot of times we do not talk about. So I want to switch it up a bit and start like, you know, talk about you as a coach, right? And how that evolved. So what was the moment where you recognized and you realized that all of the things that you have learned and all of the resources and all of the experiences that you have gained throughout your nine to five and through all your entrepreneurship hustle and all those different things can be something that you can put together to teach other people. So what was that moment like for you? Yeah. So when I first started my business, it was really just called like 24 hour woman. The goal of that was really to just get a group of women who were interested in entrepreneurship, who wanted to be more and, and do more, get them in a room with other women like Aisha who have crushed it from God knows how long. Like Aisha, like just literally put them in a room with like other women who they aspire to be and like have them tell their stories about entrepreneurship. And I think I ran about like two events or so. And after every single event, one thing I noticed was that the women, when they came, they were really eager to learn. They left like really, really like, oh my God, I'm just so excited. I'm going to go do this. And then they get home and then nothing. And so I was like, okay, what exactly is my goal? And when I started my business initially, my goal was to demystify entrepreneurship as a means of propelling women forward into business ownership. And one thing I realized was that my events was one way to get there. The other way was to actually give them the blueprint. And so that's when I was like, okay, if I want to 
to actually make true impact on the lives of these women, keep them accountable, and not just have them go to one event for two hours and leave and be in the same position. Maybe I need to figure out another way to reach them. And I'll be honest and say, like, I was scared. I was like, okay, I don't think I could be a coach. I mean, my first business failed. Who's going to listen to me? Like, I really have nothing to give. And I was really scared for a very long time to actually tap into that. But I think for me, I decided one day, like, look, Victory, it's not really about you. It's about those women. And seeing other women who were making mistakes that I had made in my first business. And I'm like, I know how to help you fix this. And so I just took that leap of faith. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be a coach. Let's see how this works. And honestly, it's been so great. The one thing that makes my coaching business really good is, of course, I give them the blueprints. Of course, I give them the strategy, but I also give them that experience. I literally unplug my brain, all the years of experiences in the USB, plug it into their brain and say, here you go, go be great, right? And I think for me, it was just knowing I wanted to make an impact on the lives of women. I had to touch them at a higher level versus just like a one hour, two hour event. I had to work with them for a longer period of time and give them the blueprint to find that success. You know, it's interesting because I was following 24 hour women actually even before I met you. (laughs) So it's actually really, really interesting to see how, you know, the transition of like, you know, 24 hour women, the coaching empire that you've built and you've established, like I see your stories and I see the testimonials and I'm like, wow, like this in itself is so impressive and it's so important. But one of the things that I actually love about, you know, the processes and the systems that you've created is the fact that you focus on folks that are entrepreneurs themselves, right? And people that have experiences as well and people that have lessons and all of these different things that they can essentially, you know, turn in their knowledge and all the things that they know into profit, which is so amazing because I find that there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there that have a wealth of knowledge in a particular subject area or in a particular sector or in a particular field and are finding it really hard to summarize everything or to bring everything together or like more so like even teaching other people because you know personally like I get folks reach out to me all the time like um you know can you give me insights on this and can you and I'm just like listen I do not have a coaching program yet you know I've not created all of those different things but you are someone that you've been able to really help other women do that so what would you say is like the three things that you say to folks that have the knowledge and are finding it really difficult to turn it into some sort of like a coaching program or some sort of a course or whatever I mean like this is three things that you need to do right away yeah so I think first there's a general misconception about what being a coach is and I've met a lot of women who are like oh I can't be a coach and I'm just like why because they think coaching is just I don't even know how to explain what the thing coaching is and for me one thing I always say is literally a coach is there to guide your clients right you are essentially giving them that fast lane you're giving them the blueprint to reach their success you're not doing the work for them and I feel like a lot of times people have to shift the mindset of what a coach actually is because I have met so many smart and talented women who balk at the idea of being a coach because they think well what if they don't get results or you know what if I can't meet up with the expectations and I'm like you're overthinking it first of all but second of all I would say in terms of like what that step is for you to monetize your knowledge I would say the first thing is starting with your process so if you're thinking about okay I have this experience and let's say you have like 10 years of experience in the thing it's hard to figure out how can I condense 10 years into like a four week six week 12 week program the first step is your process so literally get a piece of paper and write down every single step you've taken to get to where you are today you start from the first I always use the analogy of let's say you're getting on a bus you have the first stop and then you have the last stop right literally just all the stops on 
that bus ride, write down, okay, first step, what I had to do was clarify my message or identify my niche, right? Second step was do this, write every single thing down. Once you have it down, then you can start to see the themes around it, right? So the second one is what are the categories and themes that you can notice in what you just wrote down? So let's say, for instance, you write, you know, the first one is identifying your customer. The second one is doing customer research. The third one is doing whatever. You can see that that theme could be customers, right? So the first step is who is your customer? You can do the research, you can identify the niche, whatever falls into that bracket, that's the first step. So those categories will essentially become like the modules that you'd be teaching in your program, right? And so that's literally what you have to do is first solidify that. Once you've figured out what it is that you could potentially help someone with, my next tip will be do not even think about creating the content. Do not think about recording a video. Don't worry about the platform. Literally take what you've written down in terms of like, I can help people achieve this and go out there and start talking to people, learning more about their problem, asking questions, tell them, hey, I'm working on something right now, but I would like to know more from you. What would you say is your problem when it comes to X, right? The more you talk to people because you've got that clarity for yourself, the easier it is for you to see, is this a problem that can actually help people solve, right? So that's what I would say is first, writing down on a piece of paper, every single thing you've done. Next, figuring out the themes and the categories that, okay, this is what I can help people with. Because when you talk to people, they'll ask you questions. Okay, well, what's your program about? You don't need to go into, oh, module one is this, lesson one is this. No, you just need to have specific themes that you can say, I will help you identify who your target market is. I will help you clarify your messaging. I will help you learn how to sell. These are just things that people have problems with. And then once you're done that, go out and start talking to people, interview them. In the first module of my program, what we do is we actually like, we define the problem we're trying to solve. We figure out the themes and then we start talking to people. You interview people, you ask them questions, you understand what exactly are your fears? What exactly are the pains? What exactly are the goals? Really try to understand what the problem is and then sell, right? Pre-sell your program to them without creating the content. Validate that someone's willing to pay you without creating the content. Once they pay you, now you have some money in your pocket and now you know that this is a problem people have. Now I'm going to go create it and launch it to the world. Wow. Literally, you just gave us a blueprint and I really do hope that like, you know, the listeners are writing the stuff down because I'm like listening to you and I have my pen and paper and like, hey, yes, you know, you have, have that blueprint and it's so important and it's so vital when you talk about processes, right? Because even like not just for coaches alone, like entrepreneurs and themselves, some people just don't build out their process. And, you know, when you get to that point where, you know, maybe you are getting acquired or whatever it is and you're now kind of like, you know, scrambling to put things together. But I think having your processes documented is so vital and is so important. And I'm so happy that you were able to really touch on that. So, you know, still on like, you know, the topic of coaching, there is something that, you know, you mentioned earlier, which is that a lot of people don't even think that they can become coaches or that level of confidence is not there for people to feel like, you know, they're able to do that. However, judging by the pandemic and just seeing all the things that is happening around us, you know, I would say just from outside looking in that pretty sure coaches have risen, the value or like the demand for coaches have gone up significantly throughout the pandemic. But then the other thing too that I want to ask you personally is that like, how did you find your voice as an expert in such, you know, a loud space or in such a saturated space? Because everyone has some level of value. Of course, also because of social media, now everyone thinks that they are a coach of some way, shape or form. Meanwhile, you know, you've also experienced this where some people actually steal your content and stuff like that. So like, how did you find your voice? Like, how were you able to solidify that voice as an expert, you know, specifically in this field and in this sector? So I had to drown out the noise because yes, you're right. I think this year was a big year for a lot of coaches, right? Because the demand was there because people were like, oh my God, I lost my job. I hate my job. And like, what else can I do? One thing that you need to do is literally once you figure out your process, stick to it, drown out the noise and really focus on your process. Because whenever I go on people's pages, I can generally 
tell when it's regurgitated content from Google. I hire you as a coach if I feel like you don't have a signature process, you don't have an actual experience, which is why people tell me, oh, I can't be a coach. I'm like, you have killed it in your business for the past couple of years. You have transformed your life. You have done this, you have done that. You don't need to know all the steps. You just need to know step one to three. At the end of the day, there's always someone out there who's looking to start. But what sets you apart is literally having that signature process and being able to put that at the framework. Put your framework at the forefront so that when your clients are looking for people, I have clients in my DM say, wow, like, you know, I actually noticed like there's someone's program who's teaching the same thing, but they don't teach it like you do. And the reason why is because I have my own process that I put at the forefront every single time I speak. So drown out the noise on social media and focus on what you do best. I can promise you, you're going to run into someone who's making more money than you. I can promise you, you're going to run into someone who's telling you to, you know, start an email list. Someone who's going to tell you to run Facebook ads. There's a lot of people who are telling you to do different things to get to the same desired result. The difference is the process to get there. Whenever my clients come to me, they're like, well, this person said I have to do this. And I'm like, that's great, but we don't do that here. I'm like, you don't need to do that. You know, my client is like, oh, do I need to do a website first? I'm like, why do you need to do a website? Do you not have DMs to work? Are your DMs not working? Like, <laughs> You don't need to send people to a website. You don't need to worry about any of these things. You need to worry about the customers and getting paid. So just drown out the noise, focus on your process, believe in it and just go for it. And just tell about it every single time. Like, hey, this is what I do that's different from what other people do. And this is why you need to trust me as a coach because I'm going to get you the results based on my personal experience, based on what I've seen that's worked for me and my clients. And just focus on that only. Drown out the noise and focus on your own process. Today's episode of Unfiltered is brought to you by Thinker Journal, the journal designed to help you hone in your ideas with prompts and planners. Grab a copy today at thinkerjournal.com and use code UNFILTERED for $5 off. This is Unfiltered. That's actually really deep. And I love the fact that you talk about that because I've interviewed a couple of entrepreneurs and I feel like that's one of the things that keeps coming up is the the authenticity, right? And that aspect of like recognizing what you as an individual bring to the table and what you are good at and what you excel at, right? So I love the fact that you mentioned that. And again, like, thank you so much for sharing that and for being so honest about it. And the fact that like, yeah, you know, someone might come with, you know, their Google knowledge, you know, and they're like, okay, but Google said this like okay well this is victory this is not Google (laughs) you know if you want results and again I think there's one thing that is also really important to mention is having confidence in your process that you have established and your framework that you have built I think that's something that's so important because I find that a lot of people like you know sometimes there are people that will put together frameworks and stuff like that but then they might see someone else's framework and like oh I think this is better and then they'll copy it without having that experience or having that background like you talked about so I think that's really key so I I wanted to actually ask you this in particular because I find that there might be a lot of misconceptions or miscommunication as to what each means. So what is the difference between a coach and a mentor? And I want you to like go deep in that because a lot of times people think that their mentors are supposed to be their coaches or their coaches are supposed to be their mentors. And I find that there is a significant difference. So in your experience, what would be the main difference between a coach and a mentor? I mean, for me, when I think mentorship, I think free and maybe that's just how social media or Google is ingrained my mind. And whenever I have clients who say, I want to start a mentorship program, my instant is like, hey, you could do a mentorship program. But honestly, if you say mentor, people are going to think it's free or it's a low ticket product. For me, when I think about a mentor, a mentor is like pretty much like a friend or peer who's there to, you know, you have some questions. They're there to essentially say, hey, this is how you could do it. This is how, you know, you could reach out to these people. You can talk to that person. I would say it's more like an informal guidance versus a coach where it's like an actual, like, I'm going to give you the step-by-step process to get your results, right? And I 
think for me, that's where the higher level comes in, where it's just like, not only am I going to show you or tell you what to do, I'm also going to show you how to do it. And I think that's the difference between a mentor and a coach. Like for me, if I was a mentor, I would not give what I give in my program right now because you're asking me questions I can show out. You know, when I grew my social media account, what I did was I actually just started reaching out to people, whatever. I, that's me as a mentor. As a coach, here are the step-by-step process. Here's the content. Here's how to position yourself. Here's how to change your bio. To me, that's the main difference is having that coach guide you and give you the blueprints versus a mentor who is just there to essentially be that unofficial guide, if that makes sense. So I don't think that's a really good definition, but that's how I see it. Yeah, no, that's fact. And I love the distinction, right? In terms of like, you know, the coach will give you that blueprint, will give you that framework, whereas a mentor will just be like, you know, yeah, this is kind of like, they'll give you the Google answer, right? Not to say that all mentors do that, but I'm just saying that like, that's kind of like the, the framework of it is that they will give you the Google answer, the thing that is searchable and is accessible to everyone, whereas a coach is more catered towards you, catered towards, you know, your product and like, you know, all those different things. So we talk about coaches, uh, coaching, we talk about entrepreneurship, we talk about mentorship and all these things. And one of the things that I realized is that some people feel like they don't need a coach, right? They feel like, y'all, like you said, what is Google there for? You know, not for me to find answers. So I want you in 30 seconds, be able to give people an insight as to why it is a vital for them to have a coach when starting up their business. And then I want you to also to speak specifically into, because you are the coach of coaches, right? So like, you know, why it's important for even the coach themselves to also have coaches as well. Yeah, I mean, we can't all be good at something. But one thing I would say quickly is that you might be able to buy the strategy, but you can't buy the experience. And that's the difference for me and what a lot of people don't seem to understand. And whenever I talk to my coaches as well, I tell them the same thing. Like, sure, you can go on Google, find the strategy if you want, but you can't buy the experience to actually implement said strategy. And so it's not really about whether you're smart or not smart. It's about knowing what your weakness is and knowing that where you're at right now in your business is either you move forward or you stay stagnant. So that's why for me, I I got a coach when I knew I needed help. I got a coach when I knew I needed help with Facebook ads. That doesn't diminish my expertise. That doesn't mean it hurt. That doesn't mean I can't help my clients. But I just knew that there was a gap in my knowledge and I was not willing to just go find a strategy. I wanted to pay for that experience. Yo, that first line hit me real hard. I mean, absolutely. Like you can find a strategy where you can definitely not find the experience. And like, that's not something that, you know, you can just go and, you know, pick up. And this is one of the things that I normally say to people, right? Like even when they're looking for someone to facilitate a program or, you know, do stuff like that, I tell them that like, listen, you can find someone to come and tell you all of these different things. But one thing that you can never take away from a person is the experience and is their execution. Like that is one thing that no one can ever take away from you. So thank you so much for shedding light on that. So I'm not sure if people are aware that you are a full-time employee and you're also an entrepreneur. And you are like the epitome of like what I normally talk to my listeners about in terms of like people that are starting businesses. And I always say this is like, you do not have to quit your nine to five in order for you to be a successful entrepreneur. Like entrepreneurship is glorified to the extent where people feel like, yeah, I'm going to quit my job. And you know, this was the day that I quit my job. And then boom, I made six figures. And nah, like life does not work like that. Talk to us about how you are able to manage that and how you're able to manage your nine to five and your, you know, your coaching business and your entrepreneurship business. And if there's any listener that is listening that is thinking about, you know, getting into entrepreneurship, but then is also a bit hesitant about how they're able to manage those two things. If you can also give them some insights about that, because I think that's something that is really important, is really vital. And you're among the very few entrepreneurs that I've interviewed that also have like a nine to five job. So I really want to dig deep on that as well. Yeah, I would say, honestly, like choose your business model wisely is what I would say first 
things first. I think a lot of times people try to just run into entrepreneurship and do what everyone else is doing. I mean, most people I feel like who actually run businesses have full-time jobs, but online entrepreneurship is glorified to the point where you either have to hate your job to want to be an entrepreneur, or you have to essentially just be an entrepreneur because you have like a, I don't know, like a, a sad startup story. You know, it's hard for people to like actually understand that you can do both. So I would say for me, it's choosing your business model wisely. The one thing I always tell people is, you know, let's say you want to start a business and maybe you're a digital strategist at your company and you're like, well, I don't really know what to start. You could start a course on digital strategy. You could monetize that knowledge that your boss is paying you for and find other pay for the outside of work, right? And I would say when it comes to managing your time, honestly, you just, you have to be willing to do the uncomfortable. And for me, when I first started my business, I really, really hated the process part where I had to put together a process, I had to make sure that everything was good. I had to like, I was like, oh, this is so boring. I just want to make money. But you have to dedicate time to setting your business up for success where it can essentially run without you, right? And so for me, what I had to do was I had to really plan out my entire process of how on earth would I get someone from the unaware stage to the buying stage and really understanding like what that looks like while I'm at work, when I'm in meetings, how can I ensure that I'm setting up my funnel to do the selling for me? And one thing I do is I'm very, very strategic on the kind of content I post on Instagram, right? I don't just post for the sake of posting. Like there's no point of me posting if I have to do that. But what does happen is people who do find me will literally go through my content. There's strategic positioning in my content. There's call to actions in my content that would lead them to my DM or to my website to call with me. And those things can happen while I'm at work, while I'm sleeping, while I'm doing whatever it is, because I have set up my business model that way. Also being a coach or being a course creator right now, I give an hour of my time a week to my clients, right? It's a lot easier for me to be a coach as a full-timer versus if I was running a product-based business, where I have to work customer requests. Oh my God, shipping, UPS is delayed or this one or goes whatever. Like again, the business model matters, but also how you spend your time matters. I generally like to spend my time on the revenue generating activities only. I plan out my content on the weekend. Literally, I sit down on Sunday, like what am I going to say on Instagram? And I plan and block out times for me to go live or for me to record my content. One thing you could do as well is pre-record your content and literally before you start work, just post it and go to your work. On your lunch break, what are you doing at lunch? Are you sleeping? Are you watching the TV? What are you doing at lunch? Utilize your lunch time for your business as well. Work on something your lunch time. In the evening after work, don't just say, oh my God, it's been a long day. Yes, it's been a long day. But if you have a plan, if you have an exit strategy for your job, you have to utilize as much time as you can to work on your business. And so that's how I've been able to manage it is literally just my business model, uh, the time blocks, making sure I spend time on my business in the morning and that and during lunch break in the evening and ensuring that I have set up a funnel and a process using my Instagram to get people to DM me to go my website and to book calls with me. Yeah. And your, your funnel is whew, like your funnel system is amazing because I'm like, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you put a call to action out. I sign up for something and like literally in less than a minute, I've received an email. I'm like, how does she do this? Like, you know what I mean? So I can definitely attest to that. And I think that's so amazing. And, you know, one of the things that keeps coming up in everything that you've said is processes and systems. And I think a lot of times we do not see the value of building these processes and building these frameworks, because in all honesty, like, you know, a lot of us want to be able to build businesses that, you know, are able to run outside of ourselves, right? That will not require for us to like, you know, be able to definitely like, you know, being behind the computer every single day like you know for hours doing all of these things when you could find like you know easy processes to do that so I also want to talk to you about time management as being one of the key things or key traits that you know you have to develop and also of course building the processes and figuring out what the business model is when you're trying to get into entrepreneurship but I also want to talk about just like on the flip side right in terms of like your nine to five 
how important or how vital is it for you to find a job that you actually care about one and then that also gives you the flexibility for you to do the things that you care about or even being that person for your other clients and for your coaches so why is that important like I want to touch a little bit on that before we let you go that's really important so I've been on the end of working at a job that I hated and just essentially just like stop doing work and just like I hate this job I'm not getting paid as much as I want so like why am I here I feel like when you're very intentional on the kind of companies you work for it's kind of a lot easier to manage your full-time job and your side hustle for me whenever I think about companies and I, I tell people this when we interview for companies we think about oh they're interviewing me I'm interviewing you I need to know can you match my side hustle it's very important to me and so for me I look at companies where number one I love the job right I actually like what I'm doing I believe in their mission that to me easier for me to keep going at the company knowing that I actually believe that what they're doing will impact lives and my past couple of jobs have all had one specific theme and that's helping entrepreneurs like legit my last couple of jobs has been focused on helping entrepreneurs and for me it's a lot easier to stay at a company knowing that I believe in that mission because that's what I do in my business I love helping female entrepreneurs and my job helps entrepreneurs right and so I think for me that's important another one as well is that flexibility so I work for a startup that is pretty flexible it's not really like a time clock like time in time out I think a lot of times it's hard to find jobs like that that are pretty flexible but if you're able to you should definitely find that job and you should let them know in the interview that you have a side hustle I know a lot of times you might feel like oh my god what if they don't hire me then it wasn't meant to be it really wasn't meant to be and so finding that job that you believe in their mission where you feel like okay no matter what like for me for instance my business makes more money than my full time job. Like, do you know how hard that is? <laughs> you know what I mean? But the reason why it still works out is because I actually love what I do because I actually believe in their mission. They're helping entrepreneurs. I want to help entrepreneurs. I have that flexibility in my job, right? If I'm like, hey, I can't work at this time. I can make up the time another time. I have that flexibility. I don't feel that undue pressure. And so really being very, very picky, especially if you have a plan to leave your full-time job, you have to be very picky in finding the jobs that will match the current, like where you're at currently in your business to ensure you have that flexibility and you also believe in mission. Yeah, absolutely. That's so vital. And like, I think that, you know, that's one of the things that comes with passion. And a lot of times it comes to like, you know, and this is something that, you know, I personally talk about all the time is knowing who you are as an individual, knowing who you are as a person, knowing who you are as an entrepreneur, and like, even just like knowing who you are in all of the different hats that you wear, right? You know, I tell people all the time that like, I have like personal values. So for me, my entire goal is around creating safe spaces for girls and women. So when I get speaking, engagement request or whatever it is, I ask myself, is this in alignment with what I stand for and what I represent? If the answer is no, then it's like, I'm sorry, I'm not able to do it. But if the answer is yes, then you're able to, you know, sometimes you make certain compromises because you recognize that this is in connection with something that I'm doing and where I want to be in life, right? Or where I'm going. So I love that that you shared that. Thank yeah, you. of course. Yeah, I think it's very important. And I, I pray that people are able to find jobs that they love. I understand that they have a business because it's a lot easier to run your business when you're not really like stressed about clocking in and clocking out. And I had those jobs and I hated all of them. <laughs> <laughs> This has been such an amazing conversation and you have given us so much insights and gems into, you know, even like for entrepreneurs, like, you know, how they can turn all of the knowledge that they have into profits. And I just so you know, I love that phrase knowledge to profit because I think that, yeah, that was really, really smart and intentional. And I love that. So before we let you go, I want to ask, so what is next for you? What does the next phase of your journey look like? 
I mean, for me, the next phase would be delegating more. So I have an assistant right now, but next year I do have plans to hire people to take over the things that I do right now. As I think about scaling my business to a seven-figure business, I kind of have to step into my CEO hat. And so a lot of the admin-related things that I do right now, I need room in my brain to do more of the business development aspect. And so the next step is really just, yeah, figuring out who I need on my team to really get my business to the level that I want it to be. And 2021 is going to be a great year. It's going to be a fantastic year. And I'm excited to see where this goes. So yeah, we claim that in Jesus' name. 2020 has been a little <laughs> hell of a track. Oh my goodness. I literally, I was telling my husband, I was like, you know, when we were in church on January 1st, no one prayed for this. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Not even a little bit. I did bit. not envision this at all. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's so funny. So I actually forgot that there was one question that I did not ask you. And that is that what are some of like the main challenges that you have personally experienced throughout your journey as an entrepreneur, right? And what were some of the lessons that I taught you? As, like, you know, of course, aside from, you know, the failure story that you shared with us earlier, but what would you say are uh, other challenges that you have experienced? Yeah, I mean, I would say for me, like one of the biggest challenge is has been a mindset challenge. And I think this is very important because a lot of times we overlook the importance of a positive mindset. For me, it's just been a lot to get outside of this limited thinking that I didn't actually know I had until I actually realized that, no, the reason why you didn't, no, the reason why this launch was not as successful as you wanted it to be was because you were talking negatively. It's because you didn't believe that you could do it. It's because you were like, ah, I guess you weren't actually affirming that you could get there. And yeah, another challenge would be, yeah, you know, there is a lot of coaches in the industry. It is very hard to separate yourself, even if you showcase your framework where people will still say, you know, I hired a coach. It didn't work out. I don't think I can invest in another coach. Even if you know you can really help them. That challenge for me is there as well. Germany knows I get before I get a yes. You know, people don't see that part. People just see the money. Oh my God, look, this is so great. But imagine the conversations I had internally with people, the no's I received from people trying to tell yourself that it's not you. It's just not right now. It's not a good fit, but it's not actually you. So for me, it's been a lot of mindset, like refactoring this year. And I feel like that's how my business has really grown to where it is today was me just saying to myself, every single day when I wake up, you can do this. Even if no one likes my picture, even if no one DMs me, even if no one pays me, you know, even if my client says this or says that, it's not really about me. So I think the mindset challenge is the big one for me. And that's where it starts from. Once you have your mindset right, that no, you just be like, eh, it's a no right now. That's okay. And it's a lot easier to keep pressing forward. The no is just the next opportunity, really. Wow. Thank you for sharing that and for being honest about that. Because I find that, like, again, the whole point of the Unfiltered podcast is being able to get down and dirty and, you know, really getting folks to share that aspect of their story. So thank you for being so vulnerable with that. So my final question for you, and this is a question that I ask all of my guests because I think it's so important is that if you are to do this all over again, would you? Yes. Even with the first business failing, I would do it again. I would definitely do it all over again. I think for me, this is my happiest time in my life is when I have a business where I'm solving a problem for people. And I can't put a price on that. Damn. Well, there you have it, folks. Mrs. Victory Omatayo. <laughs> <laughs> So where can people find you if there are folks listening now that are trying to start their own coaching business as well as looking for a coach? Where can folks find you? Where can they find out more about you? And how can they connect with you? Yes. So find me on Instagram, first and last name, Victory Amatayo. My website, first and last name, Victory Amatayo. Feel free to send me an email. It's hello at victoryamatayo.com and DM me. I respond to all my DMs, sometimes late, but I always respond. So <laughs> definitely responds to DMs as well. Honestly, Victory, this has been such an honor 
and an amazing conversation. And I'm so happy that you were able to make it on here because listen, the hustle doesn't stop, you know, and I'm so happy and I'm so proud of you as well and all of the amazing things that you're doing. So really, thank Thank you. you. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Unfiltered, the podcast. Be sure to follow Victory on all social media platforms. And while you're at it, make sure you book her for some of her coaching expertise. Again, this is your host, Aisha Addo. It's been such a pleasure spending this time with you. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Unfiltered with Aisha. Honestly, I hope that November is good to you and that you are able to achieve all of your dreams and all of your goals. Until next time, this is Unfiltered. Unfiltered.